Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. everybody it is thursday september 29th 2022 the second to last day of september and it is indeed a heck of a morning live on the mma fighting twitter spaces you can hear the show in its entirety shortly thereafter on the mma fighting podcasting network hope everyone's having a great week so far i am mike heck thank you for joining us there's a lot to talk about since we last spoke on tuesday and I can't wait to discuss this with all of you. First of all, we saw Bo Nickel just go in and just truck a man in under a minute. He quote unquote got signed by the UFC, even though I think we already know he was sort of under contract anyways. But the man delivered the goods against definitely a step up in competition. And now there's a lot of talk about who could be his first opponents inside the octagon. And I am excited to get your ideas. He called out Hamzat Shemaev. I doubt that happens, but he did call him out, and that showed a lot of gusto in my eyes. And then, of course, he calls out Logan Paul for a WWE pro wrestling match, which was probably not the best thing to do. I'm sure Dana White and the brass were not overly thrilled with that concept, considering he was, quote-unquote, given a contract a couple of minutes prior, but I've seen a lot of different options thrown out there already on social media. So I'm curious to see what you guys think about that. We also found out yesterday that the PFL finale is all set for November 25th. It is the day after Thanksgiving. It's going down at the Hulu theater at Madison square garden in New York As of now, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 fights official. There are two other fights, two showcase fights, one to the main card, one to the prelim card that are supposed to be added. And the big thing about this, the big talking point about the card, which is headlined by 
Kayla Harrison versus Larissa Pacheco. We'll have a bunch of finals matches. Shane Burgos, Marlon Marias, which we can certainly talk about that fight if you want. Uh, it's going to be on pay-per-view. And there have been rumblings for a little while that that was going to be the case. And I was hoping that wasn't going to be the case. But of course, the PFL gonna PFL and they're going to pay-per-view. And I'll let you guys sort of open the door for that because I have lots of thoughts on this. And yeah, I, I just can't wait to talk about it because I have feelings, I have thoughts, and we'll get into that. Of course, something that we talked about on Tuesday and last week, Hamzat Shemaev decided, you know what? I'm going to play with the people's emotions some more. After tweeting out 185 last week, he goes out and tweets yesterday, Colby Covington next. And I told you guys that was going to happen. Never take these tweets so seriously because we've seen it a million times. We've seen it from the biggest stars in the sport. We've seen it from Connor. We've seen it from Nate. We've seen it from John Jones. And now we're seeing it from Hamza Chimaev. Shavayev tweets out 185. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's going crazy. We do a whole show basically about the move to 185. And then, like I told you, social media, the tweets, all that stuff, they are what they are. They're to get a reaction. They're to evoke emotion. And that's what that did. And, of course, Hamzat flips the script, calls for Coley again. And here we go. Now it's back and forth, getting everybody talking again. So, yeah, I mean, we get all this going on. We have one, they have a card going on right now. They have the Amazon Prime show tomorrow. Bellator versus the UFC sort of going head-to-head. There's a lot of talk about what's going on with the UFC card. No fans, no media, kind of close to the public. There's all sorts of theories about this. We spoke about it briefly on Tuesday, and since it's already kind of out there, I might as well address it. I said I wasn't comfortable talking about the rumor and innuendo that I had heard, which was the Mark Zuckerberg thing. There are a couple different theories. One, that Mark just rented out the whole place for him and his buddies. And then there's the other theory that they're going to do some metaverse testing of some kind. And yeah, so Mackenzie Dern at the media day throws out Mark Zuckerberg rented it out. And I don't know if this is her knowing for sure, or if this is just going on what she heard from everybody else, because that was the, the pretty constant thing going on. And then we saw, of all tweets, from all accounts, MMA Roasted tweets out this thing about Mark Zuckerberg renting out the UFC Apex for this card on Saturday, but for the Bellator card, Tom from MySpace rented out Bellator's arena, which is a great tweet. Love Adam Hunter. Great dude. I got to meet him in person for the first time in July. But Data White chose that tweet to quote tweet and say, Mark Zuckerberg did not rent out the Apex. That's bullshit. None of it's true. But to me, that still could be true. But maybe maybe Mark didn't rent it out. Maybe the UFC invited him to come in and do the testing there. So it's still a theory. It's still possible. Who the hell knows what's actually going on right now? But there's all sorts of fun theories. And then, by the way, on top of that, we get a freaking hurricane going on. Florida is just getting trounced. I saw a bunch of videos from Fort Myers, and it was the first time I ever felt bad for a shark 
because the wind and the water blew a freaking shark into the middle of the street of Fort Myers. And the damn shark is like struggling and swimming around. And he actually felt bad for the shark. But my parents are right out. They're pretty much right in between Tampa and Orlando. So they've been getting crushed with wind and rain. Nothing catastrophic. I'm in South Carolina. And as of yesterday, every time I went and looked at the forecast, it was getting worse and worse and worse. It looked like the track of the hurricane was coming straight for us. Uh, that still might be the case. I'm not really sure, but it's been kind of downgraded to a tropical storm. So we're going to get absolutely destroyed with rain and stuff. Looks like late tonight into tomorrow. But I didn't know what was going to happen with this show. I didn't know what was going to happen with BTL. But it looks like we're going to be good to go for all of those things today. And let's get this started. Let's go to you guys. This is your show. This is Boston Sports Radio-esque. We like to turn it over to you guys to react to all of these things. So, Tristan Gordet, kick us off, my man. Mike, Mike, what's going on? Before we start, shout out to Phoenix Valley, who's in the house, BTL, <laughs> let's go. She is returned. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. So, um, first, I want to start off and get more hype. Bo Nickel, for, again, doing it again on Tuesday. No issues. Okay. And then, the, and then everybody starts getting get to talking who should he fight, this and that. And then all of a sudden, I look at my Instagram page and I see, I see Darren Till is calling out Bo Nickel. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, listen, Mike, I'm praying to the MMA gods. I'm like, oh, make this fight happen sooner rather than later. Please, I beg you right now to have Bo Nickel versus Darren Till. If you don't think that Bo Nickel will not ragdoll Darren Till all over the mat, you got another thing coming to you. Literally, if you were a betting man, I'm telling you right now, I'll be betting my house that Bo Nickel is going to win that fight. I don't care. That's how that's how dominant I think Bo Nickel will be against Darren Till. But I digress. Um, also, too, I do want to talk about the fight announcement of what your feelings about it. We just heard the announcement uh, reported yesterday, uh, confirmed by MMAfighting.com, of course, the greatest website in the world. Um that we have Demir Ismagula versus Armin Sarukian happening December 17th, the last uh, fight card of the year. Mike, I need to hear your thoughts about this. Shout out to Sarukian. He is a G. That is a very difficult fight. It's going to be very competitive. I am sh- I'm, not, I'm not listening. I know Sarukian doesn't turn down fights, but I thought he would try to avoid Demir and maybe possibly still try to go go for the Glefsi fight. I thought he was going to do that, but I guess Glefsi, he's been radio silent ever since. So they probably offered him this fight. He's like, yeah, I'll take it because he wants to show that he's going to be one of the best. Again, you've been on, the, on, the, on his train forever. And you still feel that he's going to be a champion? I need to know your thoughts about that fight, how you feel about it. You know how competitive that fight is going to be. So that's going to be that's going to be that's going to just be insane, insane fight right then and there. And then um, my last uh, thing I want to talk about is on this card coming up on Saturday, uh, USC Vegas fifty one. Um, you know uh, we have uh, Mackenzie Dern versus Yan Shanon and. Uh, my thought, the spotlight I want to go on is to Randy Costa right here. Uh, it's a big spot for Randy right here. He'll be the first fight on the prelims. Your thoughts on Randy right now, where is he at? Um, I don't know if you're going to – I thought you were going to actually get an interview with him. You know, you guys have been uh, – you know, he's been good to you. You've been good to him. Two Boston guys. 
just want to know your thoughts and his possibly his mindset right now. This is a, it's a big spot we're here. You know, he, I think it's a must win for Randy. He's got to get this fight. It's a fight that he should win. So your thoughts on that, Mike? Have a heck of a morning, everybody. And that's all I got to say. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Um, so, yes, shout out to Phoenix Carnavale. She will be on BTL later on today. The highly anticipated, long-awaited, undisputed BTL title fight. The finals of the BTL championship tournaments that we didn't get to do last year because Phoenix is, has 5,000 jobs. Uh, but we got her. We got her going up against Jed Mishu later on today, so I'm very excited for that. Uh, Bo Nickel, Darren Till, it probably won't happen. I, Darren did the right thing. He got people talking. Like we said earlier when we were talking about Shemaev and putting out posts about two different weights and different opponents and things like that, he got people talking. I don't think the UFC will go that route. Plus, Darren Till is a freaking fight booked with Drickus Duplessis already, so we know that's not going to happen, so... We can kind of put that out into, in, into pasture, but Bo Nickel would be favored in that fight. Bo Nickel would probably win that fight. Um, but I don't think the UFC is going to go that route in terms of getting him rolling. They're going to give him somebody somewhat decent. I don't think they're going to throw him into like a top 20, top 25 situation, like right off the bat. They're going to give him somebody first that he can kind of style on, uh, somebody with a couple of UFC wins under their belts. And then they'll kind of go from there and just see how he does. And if he goes out there and does what he did on his two contender series fights and his other fights, they'll push him up a little bit more. I think they're going to strap the rockets to him, but I don't think they're going to do it like immediately. I think they're just going to give him someone in the middle of the pack, let him do his thing. If he goes out there and crushes them, then we'll start talking some of the bigger names in the division. Yes. I saw the Armand Sarukian Isbagulov fight. It is a, a tremendous matchup. It's another one of those fights where I'm just like, why are we doing this? And I felt the same way about Sarukian versus Gamrot. Like, why are we doing this now? But at this point, there's really not much of a choice because one, th the current guys at the top of 155, they're just sort of fighting each other right now. They're holding their place. We've seen some of the matchups that are going on. There are just not a lot of top 10 55ers right now who are going to be like, you know what sounds like a great time? Fighting Armand Sarukian coming off of a loss. I just don't think that's fun for anybody. Demir Ismagulov is certainly down for it, and Armand, to his credit, is taking not a huge step back, but taking a fight that benefits his opponent more than it benefits him, if we're being honest. Ismagulov's real good. He's looked great, and this is going to be a great fight. I favor Sarukian to win. It's a three-rounder, not a five-rounder. I think Sarukian will get it done. I just think he has more tools. But Ismagulov is a tricky son of a gun. And it's going to be high-level MMA. It's going to be high-level mixed martial arts. And I am here for it. Uh, Shout-out to my man, the manager to the stars, Daniel Rubenstein, who happens to manage both gentlemen. Not sure how he feels about the matchmaking, but it is what it is. It's a, it's a good fight. It's a great fight to kind of close the card and close the year out. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do it. It's going to be, I don't know if they're going to co-main events. I'm sure it's going to be in the main card, but I can't wait for that fight. Uh, as far as Randy Costa goes, I haven't had a chance to interview him. I wanted to bring him on for a couple of different things. Uh, I asked him to come on BTL a couple of times. I asked him to jump on for maybe a preview show or something. The dude's just super busy getting ready for this fight. He's got that mustache game that is just crushing it right now. 
And I sort of agree with you right now. So Randy Cost is a massive favorite. This is a very suitable matchup for him. It's a must win for both guys. But I think the UFC likes Randy Costa. I think they see something in him. He's never really in a boring fight. The Tony Kelly fight was a tough one for him. But most of his other fights are, they're very fun. They're just, they're scraps. He just goes in and looks to get out of there in the first round with the finish. And that's what he likes to do. The one thing I've been concerned about with Randy Costa is, and I've talked about it ahead of his last fight. Let me just pull up his most recent fight. Because I don't even think the Tony Kelly will. Was it Tony Kelly the most recent? Let me just go back into the annals a little bit. Uh, yeah, so it's Adrian Giannis fight, which, by the way, he looked great in that first round against Adrian Giannis. He was, he was beating him. And then Giannis turned the corner and knocked him out in the second round. And then Tony Kelly had a great performance. Love him or hate him. He had a great performance against Randy. Shut him down completely. The one concern I've always had about Randy, and I've talked about it on the show a few times, is that if Randy can't get a finish in the first round, then what? What happens then? We saw it in the Brandon Davis fight. He looked great in his Octagon debut that he took on super short notice. And by the way, that was his fifth pro fight. Second round comes along. Brandon ends up submitting him. Then he fights Boston Salmon and Boston destroys him. Out for a little while, fights Journey Newsom, runs him over in 41 seconds. He's beating up Adrian, clips him a couple of times, can't get him out of there, gets finished in the second round. And Tony Kelly just kind of had his number. So... This is a very favorable matchup for Randy. He's been out for a little while. He's had 10 months to really take things seriously and hone his craft and get ready. I mean, this is only his 10th pro fight. He got into the UFC at 4-0, coming from the New England regional scene, fighting for Cage Titans as a pro pretty much his entire run, going into a Brandon Davis fight. Brandon Davis was the first fighter he had faced as a professional that actually had a winning record. And he looked good in the early stages of that fight. And then he beats Boston Salmon, beats Journey Newsom, and then we saw what happened in the last two fights. So this kid's still growing as he goes on. Like, he's growing up in the UFC. He's only 28. He's got a long way to go, but he has to beat Guido Canetti. He has to. He's a near 3-1 to one favorite. He has to win this fight. It's a very favorable matchup for him. I think the UFC put him in this, in this situation for a reason, to have him go out there and shine and get a quick finish. But the problem is... What I want to see is if he can't finish Guido in the first round. If he hurts Guido bad and can't get him out of there, and this goes to round two, that's when I'm really going to be paying attention. That's when the live betting odds become kind of interesting if you're looking at it from a gambling perspective. Randy has not done all that well getting out of the first round. Kid is super talented. No doubt about it. The foundation is there. He's made a lot of adjustments. He's made a lot of changes, but he's got to win this fight. He has to win. If he doesn't beat Guido Canetti, I think it's going to be it for him. And that sucks to say, but I think they have something with him, but he's got to win these fights. He's got to go out and win. He has to win this one. But we'll see what happens. Be a good way to start things off on Saturday. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on surprise. The future of work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, let's go to Don. Don, hello. I'm Mike, how you doing? Um, hope, I'm good, good you? man. Hope you're having a too sweet day, heck of a morning, all that. Um, I had a question about, uh, well, I wanted your take on it. Um, Kevin, Calvin, uh, Kevin Gastelum. Going against Emovolve. Um, yeah, they rebooked that. How do you feel about that? Isn't it crazy how uh, 2019, I think it was, Gastelum still to this day, the only man to really give Izzy that bump in a UFC uh, title matchup. And now it's like my man scraping for it. Like he got to get a win. Um, you think it's like, you know, win or, or bust gets out of the UFC. And also I, I heard that they had originally – like first they had planned involve and then they put a a duplessis and then they switched it back to involve. You think it would have been? I mean, who do you who do you think is the better matchup for him? I think it's very similar either way. But uh, yeah, and what do you think is uh, Calvin's chances of winning that fight? Um, but yeah, Mike, have a heck of a morning, and uh, yeah, two sweet day, all that jazz, man. Thanks, man. So yes. The first main event of 2022, as of right now, is going to be Kelvin Gastelum versus Nasruddin Imovov, which is kind of interesting seeing Kelvin Gastelum headlining a card in 2023, especially considering what's been going on in his career. I mean, if you're asking me if the better matchup for Kelvin is Imovov and DDP, it's they're both not horrible matchups for him. They're both terrible matchups for him. Do I think he's fighting for his job on January 14th? No, I don't. Just because for these types of situations, right? Kelvin is still a name. He still has that rub from Izzy a little bit. Still one of the best title fights you'll ever see. It was amazing. It was back and forth. It came down to the final couple of minutes of that fight when when Izzy just turned it on and, and ended up getting the win. But it's a big one. I mean, I don't know if this is like a crossroads fight. I think Kelvin's had a bunch of them already. But this is a this is a try to get Imavov over kind of fight. 
I mean, Calvin's Calvin's run has just it's been tough. The Izzy lost, then the Darren Till fight, which was not a great fight at UFC 244, gets submitted in just over a minute by Hermanson. Beats Ian Heinish, looked great in that fight. Then he has to fight Robert Whitaker. We kind of knew how that was going to go. Loses another decision to Jared Cannonier in another main event. It's an interesting matchup because, like, when you put when you put Kelvin in these types of situations where it's not the top of the heap kind of fighter, he usually does pretty well. But I think Imovov is just so good. This guy is a problem, and this is the matchup. This is the kind of matchup that he he should have gotten. Now, to me, it was either Gaslam or Darren Till. It was one of those two guys, and then between him and DDP. One would get Gasolum, one would get Darren Till. And that's just how it worked out. So, yeah, great matchmaking. I'm fine with it. It's weird that it's the, that's the headliner. We don't, but again, we don't know where this is happening. We don't, it, I, we don't know if it's happening at the Apex. We don't know if this is going to be a, a traveling show of some kind. We're not really sure. But, yeah, Calvin's, got a, Calvin's had some time to really think about this. He dealt with some injuries. It's a tough fight for him. There's no doubt about it. I'm favoring Imovov to go in and get the job done. I don't know if he goes out there and finishes Calvin, but Imovov's a, a big, big problem. So there's your first main event of the year as of right now. Let's go to Average Avenues. Double A, what's up, man? Good. Uh, just two just two quick ones from me. Uh, your early thoughts on the... Uh the Bellator tournament that just got announced. And um, you knew this one was coming, so I'll be the one to ask it. Uh, Aspen, Vlad, horse next for her. Also, everyone have a good day. You, Mike, everyone in this chat, have a good day. Catch you. Thanks, Double A. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, Bellator lightweight tournament. It's kind of what we expected. Scott Coker sort of teased it on the – and the post fight in Dublin didn't announce it, but said we might do that. And then he went on the MAR and said, let's do it. So I'm cool. I'm cool with it. Bellator lightweight division is a lot of fun right now. And there's a lot of interesting players in, in that mix right now. It'll be interesting to see if AJ McKee's part of that mix. I'm sure he will be after this debut. I think, Usman Nurmagomedov is going to head into that tournament as the champion. I think he's going to beat Patricky Pitbull. I think he's going to finish Patricky Pitbull. I think just that much of them, that man is a fighter, that youngster, and he's only going to get better, which is really scary. So he's my early pick to win the entire thing. But yeah, I think this is the right division to do it. There's a lot of questions, a lot of movement right now. We're seeing Benson Henderson pick up some, some big wins as of late. So It'll be a nice mix of these young up and comers, these guys from who made a lot of sp- like uh, the guys like some of the Tovik and it's going to be an interesting mix of up and comers to veterans who are outside of North America to these young up and comers that are becoming stars in the promotion. So yeah, I like it a lot. As far as Aspen Lad goes. Not really surprised. I think the UFC has given her a lot of chances. I'm not going to sit here and rain on her parade or anything because I like Aspen. I've been interviewing Aspen Ladd since before she got to the UFC when she was fighting for Invicta. When she was a 25er, I was having interviews with Aspen Ladd. And 
I'm sure it's very tough on her. I'm sure it's very tough on her. But we'll see what happens. There's there's definitely places for her. I think Bellator would be interested. She could fight in the fight at 145. She'd be an interesting opponent for Chris Cyborg. She'd be probably the most interesting challenge right now. That's actually possible. I mean, obviously we want to see the Kayla Harrison fight, but I feel like we have a long road to get to that one, to get all parties involved, all all parties agreed and involved and all that stuff. She can go to PFL and bump up to 55. She probably can't miss weight there and she can get thrown in the mix there. I mean, there's, if you look at that bracket, there are like some legit 55ers in there, but most of the, most of the women in that, discussion that tournament that bracket are featherweights that are just bumping up to 55 so that's there's a spot for her as well i mean there's spots for her to compete it's just not going to be in the ufc as of right now but yeah it's unfortunate but not surprising and we wish her the best hopefully she's either on the ma or i get the chance to talk to her in the next week or so but i know she's not really doing any interviews right now so let's go to viking MMA. Viking, hello. How are you? I just want to ask about Karen Hamzat Chimaev take down Kobe. And if yes, then how long he could be on the top and controls Kobe Covington, according to your knowledge, after being in the game for such a long time and Second thing I want to talk about is what Makachev's coach was chirping and giving his judgments, which were useless, most of them. Just let me tell you one thing, that every fighter is a human and they are not as good as fans or coaches or analysts who praise them. And what about the Justin Gaethje interview? It's still not on the YouTube channel. And I don't know if if it's your personal thing or not, but you should give up that um, host host chair for because you have, you have such a great knowledge and uh, and to and skills to present them, but people are still supporting the wrong guy. You should you should deserve the most respect on the YouTube channel, not anybody else. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, man. Uh, the last, listen, I'm on the YouTube channel enough. I think people have seen just about enough of me. So I think we're all good there. Uh, addressing the Colby thing. Listen, I've, I've said it a million times. That's the fight to make. That is the fight to make. What happened at UFC 279 was crazy. It was the first time Shemayev had missed weight. I think it was more of a discipline thing than anything else. I don't think this was like a big health thing. I could be wrong, but to me, it just seems, you know, from accounts of people who are in Las Vegas and other people who notice Shamayev kind of out on the town, I think it was just a discipline thing. If they do something in Vegas, just get an Airbnb like off the radar. So Hamza can't like leave his hotel room and just go downstairs and have a piece of pizza. Get an Airbnb, bring a chef with you, and just let him cook Shemayev his meals and let him make the weight. He's made the weight before. Now, I know his coach had said that COVID was – it's been an issue getting down to 170 since he 
got hit with a nasty bout of COVID. But to me, it just seems like he just, during fight week, he just needs to be a little more disciplined. And bring in a chef, use the PI, take advantage of those. That's what you should probably do. So I think he could still make it. And I think if he's going to fight Colby, I think he's going to have to. Like, he really doesn't have a choice. Like, if he's going to be the welterweight champion, that's what his team wants to do. He's got to fight Colby next. That's the fight. And I think Colby would take it. Because Colby is, like I said, he wants to make the most money. And he wants fights with the biggest stakes. He's not fighting for the belt right now. He's already fought Mazadal. He beat the hell out of Woodley. He doesn't need to do anything else. There's, like... The Dustin Poirier fight makes no sense. I don't even think it's like that interesting to a lot of people. I think whatever rivalry, whatever sizzle was there has faded away. And there wasn't much of it to begin with. So the big fight for Colby is to fight Hamzad. That's the one. It's a number. It's a legit number one contender fight. The winner's getting a title shot, no matter who wins the trilogy fight between Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. Colby will get his third shot if Usman wins. And Shabayev gets the, fight, the title shot no matter who wins. And he gets the title shot if Leon wins too. So it's the biggest fight he can get. It's the most amount of money he can get. You can headline a fight night. You can headline a pay-per-view with that card. That's the fight. That's the fight to make. Now, no one has heard from Colby at all. I've checked in with him a couple of different times. I haven't gotten much from him. I know he's not doing any media. The only time you really see him active at all is when he's doing his sponsored betting things. I had a pay-per-views and stuff like that, but yeah, that's the fight to make. I love that one. Your other question was the Justin Gaethje interview. That interview is done and it was, it's going to come out next week. We have to wait on it. It's one of those things where the UFC Modelo, they teamed up and Justin Gaethje is involved in something that they're doing, but it's, it's what we in the business of journalism call under embargo, which means you can't release it until a certain date. And as of right now, that date is Wednesday of next week. So Wednesday of next week, that's when that interview is going to drop. Uh, he had a lot of interesting things to say. I can't reveal a ton of them because it's under embargo. One thing I will say is I did ask him about the Raphael Fazeev stuff because there were accounts that said that that fight was close to being finalized between Gaethje and Fazeev for December 10th. Justin Gaethje said that fight was never offered to him. He said he already told the UFC that he's not fighting until next year. He's not fighting in December. He's not fighting this year. He just had no surgery. He hasn't even been able to really train yet. So he's not fighting this year. He's not fighting this year. So I, I asked him point blank about it. Was that fight ever offered to you? And he said no. And he said, a lot of times, I don't even know who I'm fighting until it's broken on social media. So, yeah, that's the one little tidbit that I'll give you. But he had a lot of other things to say about the state of the division, what he wants left in his career. I did ask him about Conor McGregor, and that's probably where a lot of the sizzle from that conversation came from. But stay tuned. Next week, that will drop. Let's go to a head. Ahead. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can hear you. Okay, cool, Mike. Let me just start off by saying 
I'm not fully sold on Bo Nickel just quite yet. And I'll tell you why. It's because, like, when I say I'm not fully sold on him, I mean, obviously, he's really good. But in terms of, like, being a pound-for-pound best, the way the Kawa brothers were talking, because they were they were saying he'll be the next John Jones, because I am guess they're salty that John Jones left them. Um, but the, the thing is, is this, like, he's good. But there's three reasons why people like Sight. One, obviously, he's destructive. But the other two is he's a good matchup for Isola Adesanya. Henry Cejudo got a lot of heat for saying Bo Nickel could beat Adesanya. He, he's not wrong. Henry Cejudo's wrong about a lot of things. He's not necessarily wrong about this. We all know like Izzy's like striker mostly who's added a bit of wrestling defense, but there's levels to this, right? And it's the same thing. And 185 as a whole is a weak division. So it's the same thing with Hamza. Like, it's not this pound-for-pound pound best. It's just because of these conditions that people are excited. So why not do Bo and Hamza in Orlando in December just for fun? Just Let's just fast-track this. Let's see how good this guy really is. And also, one championship... What are they doing? We've got the worst card in UFC, or one of the worst cards in UFC history, Dern Xiaonan. But one championship, they've got Angela Lee, pound for pound, one of the best female fighters. Um, this uh, tonight, we've got Tawan Chai, who's probably like pound for pound the best Muay Thai fighter. But the promotion is so poor. Like, it's like people aren't even hearing about this at all. And like Mark Zuckerberg, uh, uh, apparently they're doing some sort of metaverse testing or something. That'd be pretty funny. But um, imagine if Mark just rented out the whole thing because he doesn't like other people. You know, I don't think Mark's that type of guy, but you know, Mark was the one who sold off all that data. And he's the one that like censored all the stories about Hunter Biden. So Hunter Biden. So I don't know, but that's all I've got. Drop the mic, Mike. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, I like one's deal with the Amazon Prime here in the U.S. It's I gotta say, like even the DJ Marias card, it was like wasn't bad to watch. Like a lot of times, it's almost like a chore to watch one championship, but. That was like a well-done card. It, was, it looked good. It was produced well. It looked great. But yes, you're right. No one's really talking about this one. And it's one of the better fights on the entire slate for the entire weekend, if we're being honest. So yeah, the Bo Nickel th- I mean, listen, Bo's real good. Bo's real good. Like, I know there's some people who are just like, well, you beat. I saw some people say that he beat like two cans on the Contender Series. I'm not going to go that far. I actually think Donovan Beard's a pretty – I actually think the Donovan Beard fight was like a really good step up in competition because Donovan beat a really good guy in his last fight. Like he got dominated the entire fight by Miles Lee, who is an excellent wrestler, but then he pulled out a late submission to win the CFFC middleweight title. So this is a good step up. This is a good step up. Good step up record-wise, good step up experience-wise, and of course – a very favorable matchup because Donovan Beard is not a great defensive wrestler. And it turned out Bo didn't really need to wrestle him at all. He just punched him in the face he dropped him. And then he got on top of him and he subbed him for a guy who's three and oh, as a pro and with all those accolades, he's super legit. I will agree with you that Henry Cejudo is wrong about a lot of things. Uh, And I do think Bo nickel could beat a lot of guys in the top 15, but you gotta be, you just got to be careful. You don't want to give him the wrong matchup too soon. That's why I said give him like a middle of the pack kind of a guy. You know, I don't know. The Eric Anders of the world. 
who Eric's a good fighter. Like if he fought Eric Anders' first fight and just ran him over, you're like, damn, all right, let's go. Let's give him a top 15 guy next. But somewhere, somebody like in that realm is where I would put him. I wouldn't give him a top 20 guy just yet. Give him like a top 35, top 40 dude. Let's see how he does. If he just styles and trucks over whoever that is, then we could start talking about top 15s. We could start talking about the Gasolums and the Tills and the Brad Tavareses, who's fighting Gregory Rodriguez in Brazil. But let's give him one first. Like, let's not give him the Joe Pfeiffer treatment. Let's give him a couple of steps up from the Joe Pfeiffer treatment. And let's see what the let's see what the dude can do. Let's see what the dude can do. Let's bring in one half of the BTL title fights going down later on today. Happy to bring in Phoenix Carnival. Phoenix, hello. Hi. So I know we have a lot to talk about after this, but I wanted to talk to you specifically because I know you're going to be talking to me and Jed. Now, I think one of the fights that we as fans are most excited about is Michael Chandler versus Dustin Poirier, correct? Yeah. Correct. Yes. So after this win, lose, or draw, Poirier has literally nothing to prove. Do you think he retires after this Michael Chandler fight? Ooh, I would. Uh, that's that's an interesting question. I'll say no. Hmm. I'm not ruling. Uh, that's a really good question because I'm not like ruling it out completely. It all depends on how it goes down. It's like one of those. I'm giving a Jose Young answer. Jose Young's answer right now. It all depends on how it goes down. Like if he just if Poirier goes out, if Poirier wins, no. I don't think so. I think there's still big fights on the table for him. You could still do another fight with Connor. He's not going to say no to that because he, he's just getting a giant, giant bag for that. And he's still, depending on what happens, like if Islam Makachev wins the title October 22nd and Poirier runs over Michael Chandler, he's in the mix. Like he's in the championship conversation. There's no doubt about it. Uh now Michael Chandler knocks him dead in the middle of Madison Square Garden. I don't know how you come. I don't know if he'll be able to come back from that. I don't know if he'll just the hunger will just be gone. I don't know. Poirier is a, pr- a pretty private dude. This is a it's sort of a grudge match, and you know you could tell from Poirier's just body language and things he was saying when Chandler was came into the UFC. He just feels like he's done more than Michael Chandler. He feels like he's the better fighter. Feels like Chandler's a little bit beneath him in terms of experience and accomplishments in some ways. And I think if Poirier goes out there and and loses and loses badly, that might be a conversation to have. But if he wins, he's a win at worst away from fighting for the title again. So, yeah, it all depends on how it plays out. If it's like a close robbery split decision, I think there'll be more left, but... If Poirier loses and he wants to keep going, I, I think he kind of joins the sort of Max Holloway slate of fighters where Poirier doesn't need to need titles. Poirier could just have a bunch of fun fights. Like, who wouldn't want to watch Poirier and Gaethje fight again? Or who wouldn't want to watch Poirier fight Benil Dariush or Matush Gamrot? Or, although he would probably wouldn't fight Gamrot because they're, they train together from time to time. But you know what I'm saying? Like, there's, there's options for him, but. Like, would a fight with Armand Sarukian fire up Dustin Poirier? I don't think so. But if he wins, he still gets the chance to fight Connor. 
maybe he gets back to a title fight. Maybe he goes up to 170 and has some fun fights there. But I think it all depends. As long as he doesn't get destroyed by Michael Chandler, I think there'll be a little something left for him. Oh, that's a great question. It's, it's probably a factor, though, if he loses and loses badly. Speaking of people who are excited to see Michael Chandler fight, let's bring in my man, Brett Gilman. Brett, what's up, dude? Mike, I hope you're having a heck of a morning. How's it going, my friend? It's going good. It's going Nice. Good. I love seeing uh, your success and how you just put the pedal to the metal, you know, how, work hard, you know, that Boston-rooted, like, attitude and you just bring it out into your show and and uh i don't uh, i don't always pop on but uh i try to listen when i can and i just love listening to you man and uh, i knew you go places with this ufc congratulations to all that i just want to preface that but uh, i want to touch on uh, a few things uh one bo nickel he's uh he's an impressive uh athlete and uh and i, I think that they should throw like marvin vittori at him or something like that and just beat his face in or something like that just, just give him like a big guy, just, just to feel the punches, and, um, and, and, and get him going, and, and really step him up in the competition if they want to move him to the top. Uh, I, I think that would be a great thing, and, uh, and, and I just want to touch on uh, Justin Gaethje. It was funny that you were saying about Fizev because that's what I was going to talk about. Is I saw Fizev's last fight. I really feel like Justin Gaethje will just knock him out. I, I think Fizev's a, a great prospect and everything, and I think he's there at the top. I think Gaethje, if you take away the, the ass kicking, really, he got by Khabib. There's nothing that says that Justin Gaethje's still not top notch in that division, and uh, and that just brings me lastly to my uh, my one two, uh, UFC 280. I'm just fucking geeked up for it, and I can't wait to see Oliveira take out Makachev. So I just want to uh, you know just touch on a few things and and. Uh, everything and have you a heck morning brother thank you brett uh yes i've known brett almost my entire life uh he was really good friends with my oldest brother so he used to come over to the house all the time he got to see little game show wannabe mike heck running around the house in the mean streets of malden massachusetts so it's cool to, to to hear from him and have him on the show and brings the boston accent out of me a little bit no doubt about that I think Marvin's way too big of a step up for Bo Nickel right now. I mean, it'd be an interesting fight down the line, but Marvin's in a really interesting place right now because he's so far away from the belt after the loss to Robert Whitaker. I just don't know what you do with him. Like, I don't know. Like, there was a lot of talk about whether or not Whitaker would jump up to 205. I actually think Marvin Vittori should think about jumping up to 205. I think, I think he'd do well there. Doesn't have to cut all that weight. I think his style fits well in that division. I think he can get a couple of wins right off the bat and get in the hunt. I think he's got a better chance in a, in a shorter road to getting to a title shot at 205 than he does at 185. And 205 is really interesting right now. But I think Bo, throw Bo in there with, with Vittori is it's a tough ask for his first one. Not saying that he couldn't do well. I just think for a 3-0 dude, Marvin's a – it's never – Jed Mishu said this a lot, and I agree with him. There are very few 185-pounders who fight Marvin Vittori and think to themselves, that was a lot of fun. That was a great time. He's just, it's, it's, Marvin's just a tough out. And 
I think it's just a little too soon. Now, if you want to do that like two or three fights in, sure. But if Martin wants to go to 205, wouldn't blame him. Wouldn't blame him. The Gaethje thing, I'll throw out another interesting factoid uh, from my conversation with him, which you'll see next week. Justin Gaethje told me that for the first time ever as an MMA fighter, he can actually breathe out of his nose. That surgery was like life-changing for him. He can smell food. He said he hadn't been able to, you know how like all of us normally we're in the kitchen and someone's cooking food and you could smell it and it smells delightful and it like boosts up your appetite, gives you that sense. It's like one sense talking to another. Justin Gaethje hasn't experienced that in 13 years. That nose injury that he just got fixed was something that happened to him in wrestling before MMA. So a quote that he said to me, which you'll hear on Wednesday, right now, for the first time in 13 years, I feel like I actually have a nose. And that's just crazy. You could tell like it's just it's like a mind-blowing experience to him that he can actually smell things and he can actually breathe out of his nose. And to think of all the success that this freaking guy had without that, it's crazy. It's crazy in a sport like MMA when you're getting punched in the face, you're getting punched in the nose, you have to breathe out of your nose a lot. He can't do, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it like he could do it but not to like the extent that most guys in that division could do it, and that's just nuts. So I think he's got a lot of gas left in the tank. He still feels like, because I brought up the quote he gave like short, shortly into his UFC career when he said, I probably have like five more wars left before I call it a career. And he feels like he's only had one since. So he still feels like he has at least like three more wars left. He doesn't consider the Chandler fight a war. The only one he considers a war is the Charles Oliveira fight. That's crazy. He's had like every fight he's in is a war. But... What Justin Gaethje considers a war in the octagon compared to what we think about it and other fighters think about it, it's like night and day. It's crazy. But, yeah, he's got, he's got gas in the tank. Him and Fazeev, I love the matchup. It'll be interesting to see. He's, he sort of mentioned the Poirier Chandler loser or the Oliveira Makachev loser somewhere, somehow, somewhere in that mix. Um, but I would like to see the Vizier fight. I think that makes a ton of sense right now. But it all just depends on what he's looking for, when Fazeev's ready to come back, when he's ready to come back. He's thinking like February, March-ish. But again, December 10th, not, not a thing. So don't expect to see Justin Gaethje fight this year. I fight again this year, that is. Let's go. We'll take a few more. The dog's at the groomer, and I just got the call that that he's all wrapped up. Toke, what's up, buddy? I was just saying, I think Bo Nickel versus Jack Marshman makes sense. Uh, kind of veteran name, but you know, he's on a, he's, he's a beatable name still, but it, it, but it still proves something because he's a veteran. But my main thing here, I'm going to give PFL a compliment sandwich, if that's okay. So, Oh, go for it. Yeah, because I love how they are establishing a good roster, establishing a product that's good and you want to watch. And they have this pay-per-view coming up, which looks good. And here's the but. 
the matchup between Marlon Moraes and Rob Font is the most idiotic thing I have seen in ages. So Shane Burgos. Yeah, Shane Burgos. Sorry, my bad. Not Rob Font, Shane Burgos. That is so idiotic. They've just signed two big names. They have a guy who's lost five of his last six matches by KO. They have him going up a weight class and fighting their other big name signing in a showcase fight, as they call it. Why is this a thing? Like they are, it almost seems like they're sabotaging themselves. Marlon Rice going up in weight and finding their new big name, uh, their other big name signing. It's just, it's just, uh, I don't know what you call, you call it. You kind of cut off your own leg and try to run. I don't know. I don't know how to say it because I'm not English is not my first language. Uh, but my God, this is self-sabotage of highest order. So I'm just sad that they are kind of just hamstringing themselves just uh, because they have an interesting product and they actually have two fighters that I would care to watch more of. It's just, this is just killing off Marlon Moraes more than anything, or at least giving him no, a little, too, little chance to succeed in, in this scenario that, that they set up. And I will say, if the pay-per-view is a fair price point, I will be interested in it because there is a lot of good fights on there. But however, my main thing is they are bad at matchmaking when it's not in a tournament format. That's all I've got for you, Mike. Thank you, sir. So I, I agree with a lot of what you just said. Uh, I, I hate the Shane Burgos, Mara Marais matchup. I think it's, a, it's, one of the worst pieces of matchmaking that I've seen this year. It's so awful. It's awful. I know you have like two names that, you know, people recognize and, and things of that nature, both coming over from the UFC. But why? Why are we doing this now? Why? Makes no sense. Shane Burgos is going to destroy this man. It's like, it's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like you could do, you could do just as well having Shane Burgos fight somebody on that card, and having Marl Marais fight somebody on that card. Doesn't have to be a name. The draw is both of those guys individually fighting on this card, and now you're gonna pair them together before the freaking season, before their first freaking season in the PFL. What's gonna happen if Shane Burgos does what I think he's going to do, which is knock out? Marl Marais in the first round. Like, is there going to be any intrigue and interest in watching these two guys fight potentially for a million dollars after we just saw it? No. Give the guy a freaking break. Six months ago, Song Yudong knocked him dead and got him into retirement. And now he comes out of retirement, signs to the PFL, goes up to 145, and you're going to put him in there with your other big free agent signing? What are we doing? What are we doing here? I don't understand. Every time PFL does something good, they do two things horribly. And this is really bad. There is no pot, like there is nothing positive for me at all finding out about this matchmaking. Nothing. It's terrible. 
Nothing good comes from it. The only thing that ha- could happen is like you you put over the winner. If Shane wins, he's like, yeah, it's cool. He beat a guy with the name, but he also beat a bantamweight. And then if Mariah wins, like you just kill Shane Burgos. Like you're gonna kill one of these guys no matter what. And Burgos doesn't get much of a rub beating Marlon Marais to begin with because he's fighting a freaking bantamweight in most people's eyes. It's insane. And then to top it off, the pay-per-view thing. Now, you brought up an interesting point. If it's a fair price, what's a fair price? What's a fair price? If they put this on there for $29.99, who is going to buy it? And mind you, it is a good card. But also, let's keep this in mind. There's like a bazillion title fights on this card. We're going to be watching this pay-per-view the day after Thanksgiving for like 11 hours. It's insane. And people, like, if you do it for 10 bucks, okay. Like, that's cool. But you have the opportunity on a very busy weekend where people are just like hanging out with their families. Put it on ESPN. Put it on ESPN2. Put it on one of the big networks. Just give it to the people. New York Rick on the MAR made a great point. They don't have the audience to support pay-per-view right now. They don't. The UFC could put this card tomorrow or this card on Saturday on pay-per-view, and it's still going to get 200,000 buys, even though it's an awful card. It's still going to get 200,000 buys because it's the UFC and they have a built-in audience for it. The PFL doesn't have a built-in audience. They have, like, the hardcores, but the casual audience has no idea who these people are. They know who Shane Burgos is a little bit because his signing was a big deal. They probably have heard of Kayla Harrison. They've heard of Anthony Pettis, who's not even fighting for the million dollars. You're just asking a lot of fans in terms of spending money. The UFC is putting on a pay-per-view at Madison Square Garden like two weeks prior to that. They're going to spend the money on that. They're going to spend 75 bucks on that, but they're going to drop 30 bucks or whatever the price point's going to be to watch the PFL? No. No. And I'm like as hardcore as it gets. I'm probably going to be working it and watching it, but if I was off that day, I'm not watching it. In fact, I'm not watching it if it's probably on for free because I'm going to be... It's Thanksgiving weekend. It's a very big deal in the United States. That's when like people visit family and people fly and travel to other places. We're not concerned about the PFL finale. And it's on Black Friday. People could be out trying to shop and save a bunch of money. Like it's just weird. Everything about it is weird. So I don't know how how this is going to work. I don't know how it's going to play off. I don't know what the price point is going to be. I don't think it's going to be 10 bucks. I think that's where it should be. But if they come out and drop a, a friggin' $49.99 on this, oh boy. That next episode of Heck of a Morning is going to be something else. But I'm curious to see like what they're thinking here. If they put it up at $29.99, what is a successful buy rate? $25,000? Like, it can't be 100 because there's no chance they're getting that. They could do Harrison versus Cyborg, and I don't think they're getting 100,000 buys. But, like, I don't know what they're going to do. 
It's very strange. All of this is very strange. All right, we'll take two more. We'll get Terrence and Zeke, and then I got to get out of here. Terrence, hello. My. Hey. Yo. Um, sorry, my <laughs> phone's acting up. So um, just wanted to remind you of what I was talking about last week. I know I asked you a ton of questions, so you didn't remember this one. Um, it was about Horiguchi. If he had won his fight, like, what does that leave him with Bellator? Um, but, of course, now he has won his fight. Um, one thing I was thinking about is, like, I think they're dropping the ball over at Bellator when it comes to him. I think he's also doing himself a disservice. I think he is a 125er that's had luck at 135, and I think they should have a 125 <clears throat> division and maybe have, like, in a tournament for that division as opposed to, like, the 155 division. I understand why they haven't won for that, but I think it would be more beneficial for them to have a tournament for weight classes where they're trying to build stars and things of that nature or – Stars that are just not coming in. Um, and then the other thing I want to talk to you about is Pitbull. He's going down 135 after this fight. Um, could he be the first triple champ? How do you think he would fare at 135 if the weight cut's good? Because um, they are a lot uh, faster than roughly his size, but they'll probably be a little bit bigger going in there. And then the last one that I had was more or less like a statement. When it comes to like these fighters, and them saying, like, oh, I can take out the champ. Oh, I can be top five tomorrow or whatever. Like, I know a lot of times, like, media and other people are like, oh, let's protect them. Let's go ahead and, like, build them up slow. Like, I'm like, no, if you're talking like you, you're the best in the world, let's go ahead and see. Like, <clears throat> go in there and fight this person or that person. And if you're not that guy, you're not that guy yet. You can always come back from that. And you're like, oh, I tried and I uh, failed. Just like when Izzy went up to 205, like, oh, he tried and he failed doesn't mean that he can't go back up. As a matter of fact, people are saying that he should go back up now. Um, and as well, just wanted to know if you ever spoke with a person where they're like, oh, I was just talking online. I really didn't want to fight this person, but they called my bluff, and I took that fight, but I know I shouldn't have. I just wanted to know if you, like, talk to somebody person. You have to give a name or anything like that, but if you talk to somebody person who's probably like, yeah, I really didn't want that fight, but I took it anyways. That's all. Thanks, man. Uh, yeah, the Horiguchi thing, I completely agree with you. He is a flyweight who just did pretty decent at Bantamweight. Uh, had a good run, but he's a flyweight. And I don't think Bellator is opening up a flyweight division anytime soon, so he's probably just kind of good where he's at right now and just fighting for Ryzen and trying to get reps there. And, you know, if there's a big fight in Bellator for him, like some interesting name, signs, and wants to fight Horiguchi, like, make it happen. But I don't think he's – I don't think he's a Bantamweight. He's super talented, no doubt about that. I just don't think he's a Bantamweight. He's just a really good flyweight. Who knows? Maybe – maybe he's back in the UFC. Who the hell knows? But, yeah, I don't know. It's he's, But he's a flyweight. That's where most of his success is going to come from. But maybe he just wants to just fight in close to home and – Fight where he's familiar and, you know, if there's a big fight for him, a big name, then cool. He can, he can have that. But I like Horiguchi a lot. He's super fun. That was a crazy fight over the weekend and he got the job done. With the whole I could beat the top five thing the fighters say, I mean, every fighter says that. Like literally all of them. They all think they're the best in the world. Randy Costa thinks he's, he's the best in the world. I'm just throwing his name out because we talked about him earlier. They all think that way. You have to. 
you have to think some kind of way that you're the best in the world. Otherwise, why would you do this? Why would you get into a sport like this if you don't think you're the best of the world or you can be the best of the world? So if the Bo's an interesting spot because if they throw him a top 10 dude, like we're going to, it's going to be a big deal and we're going to think Bo can do well, but you have to, it's a risk reward is his first UFC fight after all this hype with how fans, especially the social media fans can be. If Bo, they throw Bo in there with Marvin Vittori, because he got brought up earlier, and Marvin just squashes him, 30-27, overrated, this guy sucks, he loses kind of all of his luster. Now, I'm not going to compare him to Brock Lesnar, but they threw Brock Lesnar right in there with Frank Mir, and he looked good. And then there was that weird thing where he lost a point for the back of the head shots, which is kind of strange, and it's kind of controversial. Loses to Frank, and he took a little bit of that poop sandwich, if you will, and then he goes and fights Heath Herring, and he beat the holy hell out of Heath Herring, and then he won the title. So there are examples where guys got thrown to the wolves, they lost, and then they came back and did great things. But we saw what kind of happened with Brock, and I know a lot of it was was physical with the diverticulitis and everything, but it turned out as the next sort of generation of fighters earned their way up, the Cain Velasquez's of the world and guys like that, you just kind of realize that Brock, from a talent perspective, had some great tools, but as an all-around martial artist, he just wasn't there. And he was kind of exposed with that. And... I just don't – I feel like they have something really big with Bo Nickel. So it's just a matter of do you want to risk it now or do you want to give him some confidence before you take that risk? So it's an interesting spot. Like if they put him in with a top 10 guy, like I'm cool with it. And I think he could beat a lot of guys that are ranked right now in the UFC. I feel like he matches up great with them with his credentials. We haven't even seen him really wrestle yet in his MMA career. He's just knocking guys out. See the, like a, a, a takedown or two. So we haven't even seen like his full arsenal yet, but we'll see what happens. I mean, they got something big with him. It's just a matter of, do you want to rush it now or do you want to build him up a little bit and then give him that big test? We'll see. We'll see. All right, Zeke, take us home. Cause I gotta go pick the dog up. Mike, what's going on? How are you? Good. Can you hear me? I'm in the car at the moment. Not the best signal, I'm sure, but I will be short and sweet. Uh, so, Toke, you killed it when you came up here. I don't know if he's on here still, but uh, it's cut your nose despite your face. And uh, I just want to, without a doubt, like pile on to what not only Toke was saying, but you were saying. This is horrible by the PFL. I feel like all of the intrigue is on how is this talent going to cross over and compete against the PFL talent? Why the hell are we putting them in the octagon together? Especially with the way that Marlon Marias kind of went out of the UFC. I feel like Shane Burgos, we know he hits hard. We don't need to see how hard he could hit Mar- Marlon Marias. Moving forward, uh, obviously I would love to see Hamza Jamaya versus Kobe Covington, but Mike, I feel like this fight would have been booked already if it's going to happen. It's starting to reminisce like this John Jones, Tipe Miocic. Yes, the names sound awesome together. However, are we ever are we ever eventually going to get that fight? And lastly, give Mike Heck a follow on Instagram. His son is awesome. Getting some golf shots in yesterday. I hope he's hitting it hard. I hope he's keeping his head down. I hope he's hitting it straight. Mike, enjoy your week. Let's have a heck of a week. Thanks, man. Yeah. 
I, I agree with a lot you were just saying. I'm not ready to put Hamza Colby into that Jones Stipe thing because Hamza just friggin' fought. He just fought like two weeks ago. He went through that hellacious week. He just fought earlier this month. So it's not like, like we've been waiting for John to come back for like years now. Watching him build his body to like 265 pounds. Talks of Sipe, talks of Francis, talks of all of these different things. And we just haven't seen him. Shamayev has fought multiple times. We saw him fight in April. We saw him fight in September. I mean, he's fought. So I'm not willing to put it there. And again, we don't know what's going on with Colby. I know Dana White says one thing, but guess what? Sometimes Dana says things that aren't fully accurate. He's done it many times. It's not out of the realm of possibility that it's not true. (laughs) That he and Colby haven't talked about anything. But we don't know. There's only like two or three people in, in the world that actually know what happened. If there were conversations... But even Colby knows at this point that the best, the biggest fight for him is Hamzat. Because he's not getting a title fight. Even if Leon wins, I don't think he's getting the title shot. Because it's going to go to either Hamzat and Mazadal. Mazadal has a better chance of getting the title shot now than, than Colby does. If, like, Colby doesn't fight anybody else or doesn't fight Hamzat. Because there's a story there. Mazadal's a huge star. And Colby's a, a draw. And Colby's known, but I don't know if Colby's like a big star. So I don't know. I mean, that's just kind of the position he's in right now. So, all right, I have to go. I got to go pick up the dog because you know what? The hurricane's coming. But I will see you guys 1 p.m. Eastern. It's going down. Ten months in the making. It's finally happening. The undisputed BTL title. Jed Mishu, Phoenix Carnivale. It's going down in the virtual arena, 1 p.m. Eastern, MMA Fighting YouTube channel. So thank you very much. Back here tomorrow, 10 a.m. Eastern. We'll do it again. Until then, everybody, enjoy the rest of your day and have a a heck of a morning. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts.